Amen. Thank you, choir. Thank you, children's choir. Thank you, Helen. Worked hard this morning. <laughs> For sure, you always do. We appreciate it very much. Today, Christ the King Sunday. Um, in the mid-20s, Pope Pius XI was the first religious leader that declared that Christ the King Sunday, well, that the last Sunday of the Christian year, which is today, 1925, would be called Christ the King Sunday. It was probably a step up. Do you know what they called this Sunday before then? Doomsday Sunday. That probably wasn't very fun, but he didn't do it. Um, he didn't do it because he needed a, a, a better marketing plan to get people, you know, there for that Sunday. He did it because historically, World War I and the rise of author, authoritarian governments and the, the, the breaking of our, um, of, of our whole system where so many people died, World War I, it was, it was part of his way and the church's way of saying, you know, our king is above all. Uh, this is the one we listen to. Now, it didn't do a whole lot of good because a few years later, right, uh, we got Mussolini, Hitler, and other people who would be kings, who would be um, uh, self-appointed messiahs of their day, who would be those. But I like, I like, I like Christ the King Sunday because Jesus Christ's kingdom is upside down and inside out. It is like no other kingdom. It doesn't depend on power or might or prestige or wealth. It is the most powerful kingdom and the one that will last. And we're all called to commit our lives to the upside down kingdom. Great thing about it is we're all invited. You don't have to be somebody. You don't have to have power or votes or influence. All you have to do is serve somebody else. And you're a part of God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. In 1859, a man wrote a book. His name is Samuel Smiles. And uh, he published the very first self-help book that we know about, 1859. It was published the same year as Charles Darwin's The Origin of the Species of Man. Uh, also, John Stuart Mill's On Liberty um, was published that, that same time. The title of his book, Self-Help, right? Self-Help. I guess since he wrote the first book, he could just... Call it that. His notions of the self-made man caught the imagination of so many readers back in the day that, that it all of a sudden exploded. And many books were written about five keys to this or, or eight things you can do for a more productive life or to make your marriage better or to raise your kids more responsibly. All up and down, even today, Books A Million or Amazon is just floating down, and you can get self-help books. And I probably bought half of them, you know? Because I love, I love, to just make it plain. Somebody make it plain. Tell me what I need to do to make my life better, to be more powerful, to get in charge of my life. And it has grown into a $10 billion industry 
this self-help book industry. It's, it goes into TED Talks, podcasts, and all the like. All in an effort to help people improve something. It is clear. It is clear that we as a people are all too aware about how far we fall short of the high standards of beauty or success or happiness we see around us. They say that the longer you scroll that Facebook, the more depressed you get. Why? Because everybody looks like they're having such a great time. What's wrong with me? Because nobody puts their lowlights on Facebook, do they? It's always their highlights. And it's good, and I'm not dissing on Facebook. It's, it's a, I've been able to keep up with a lot of people over the years through Facebook. So it's, it's part gift, but it's part, it's part burden. And it, this self-help stuff really reveals something about us. It means that we'd, just, we'd give up anything and we'd pay any cost if we could just find that secret sauce to life. You know, how can I be successful? How can, I, how can I be better internally? What can I do? Three times in our scripture today that Case read, Jesus was told to what? Save yourself. Help yourself, Jesus. Save yourself. If you are the Messiah, the religious leaders said, scoffed, then save yourself. If you're the king of the Jews, the soldiers cry mockingly, then save yourself. Even one of the criminals beside him who was dying right beside him said, why don't you save yourself and us? If you're the Messiah, Jesus hanging on the cross doesn't save himself. Over the course of his earthly life, it started out so good. Jesus had performed signs and miracles. He had tamed nature and calmed the storms. He had healed people left and right, performed exorcisms. He fed thousands of people on more than one occasion from a boy's lunch, he turned barrels of water into vintage wine. The man could do anything. So why can't he get off that cross if he's a king? That is no way for a king to be coronated. They'd begun to believe that he was truly the son of God. It wasn't too hard to imagine that they expected him to do something sporadic, that he wasn't going to, be, to die a humiliating death naked in front of people by a wall outside of Jerusalem. That's just not to be. That's not how a king acts. But he's there hanging on the cross, King Jesus is, abandoned by his followers, held tightly in the grip of the Roman authorities, who conspired with the religious authorities and others to have him killed, suffocating on a cross, vulnerable, bleeding, and surrounded by taunts and insults. Save yourself, Jesus. It looks a lot like what happened three years before in the wilderness when Jesus spent 40 days famished and Satan came up to him and said, if you are the Messiah, you must be hungry. Feed yourself. If you are the Messiah, you need a fan base. Jump off the top of this temple and they'll come running to you. If you are the Messiah, you need power over people because that's what Messiahs and powerful people do. 
at the cross, the taunts were the same. Save yourself, Jesus. How can you save us if you can't even save yourself? Throughout the story, there are all these symbols of royal power. It's, it's the cruel irony of the cross. He has a title, but it's a sign. And it's not really his side, title, king of the Jews. It was the crime that he committed to get himself there insurrection he had a crown but it wasn't a golden crown of thorns and of 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 emeralds and it wasn't a beautiful crown it was a crown of thorns and blood he had a throne but it was a torture device and he was lifted up on a cross what kind of king is this that we worship every sunday who is this son of god that we say creeds about, and we sing, and we worship, week in and week out. Who is this person who refused to save himself from a cross and who does not seem to save us from our crosses either? King Jesus, can you deliver me from my pain? Of my broken relationships? Of the ways I've disappointed myself and others? King Jesus, can you do that? And Jesus says, no. Knowing what we know, maybe we'd prefer not to have King Jesus, right? Maybe I can be my own ruler. I can take charge of my own life. I can do my bravado. I can think happy thoughts in the morning. And and I can figure it out. Because sometimes it's easier to read a self-help book than it is to read the gospel. Because that self-help book makes me think I can do it on my own. Or maybe if I just try a little harder and I keep beating that dead horse. But I still need saving. Because I can't do it on my own. We're here. Maybe because we always have a little trouble with Jesus sometimes. Sometimes he creates a lot of problems, right? Because he's telling us to forgive our enemies. He's, he's telling us to serve other people. He's telling us if you got a coat, and you, give it away if somebody asks you. He's telling us to do all these difficult things. And I want power. I want success. I want people to be serving me. But he keeps saying, those who be great among you must be the least. Those who would have the power to be the great ones, must be the servants of all. No, Jesus is not the sort of king that we'd expect. And maybe, maybe he's not interested in that. Maybe what Jesus is trying to tell us is, is this upside down kingdom is paradoxical. It, it doesn't make sense, but you got to trust me on this. That as you serve, as you stay low, then you will find Jesus in his best disguise as the one who was wounded before you, as the one who needs a list or somebody just to slow down and listen with the ears of Christ. Maybe if we did that more often, we would be given the eyes of Christ and we would see Jesus more often because we always keep looking in the best place. But sometimes Jesus is in the darkest places. Next Week, we'll flip the page. Happy New Year in December or end of November, the last Sunday. And we will hear about someone who was born 
to very poor parents. Someone who, when the census was taken and taxes needed to be rolled up for the king of the day, they didn't even have a place to stay in Bethlehem. Someone whose mama said, In you, the proud will be scattered, the high will be brought low, and the low will be lifted up. That is your and my and our King Jesus. There's songs about lifting up the lowly, giving the hungry something to eat. Look at his team, this King Jesus. They were a motley crew. They looked more like the bad news bears than the 27 Yankees, right? They didn't know what they were doing. He chose the least, the last, the lost, the most confusing to serve in his cabinet, right? He talked about turning the other cheek and giving up the coat. He told those listening that anyone who wanted to save their life, you're going to lose it. Give it away and you'll find it. What an upside down kingdom we've been invited to. How weird is it to be in a culture where beauty, power, money, everything else is lifted up trying to follow this upside down king. That's who we got. That's who we have. And sometimes we look up at that cross and say, would you do something different if you're king? Why do you let so much suffering happen? What is going on? And we ask these hard questions. And King Jesus says, you keep serving me. And if you want to be on my cabinet and be great, I want you to help me turn the tide where there's not so much suffering, where there's not so much pain. Even if it causes you pain. The bottom line is this. Why did Jesus not save himself? He refused to save himself because he came to save you and me. That's why. Because you and me and all of us are on his mind. That this world that we want to throw away and condemn is the one that Jesus died to save. And that sounds so upside down, but that's what we sign up for. Instead of condemning this world, he came and dwelled with us in our humanity. That's part of Christmas, incarnation. That's part of Advent. He came and lived with us under the bridge and experienced it all with us to the very end. In the moments when we realize that we can't save ourselves and no self-help book is going to work completely. We give thanks for this sort of God. It's good news. Something bigger than you and me is coming toward us. Do you see him? The king riding on a donkey. The last king you'd expect is coming your way. The son of God who meets even, us even in the depths of our brokenness and our sin. Coming to us with words of forgiveness Looking out over the crowds at the foot of the cross, Jesus saw powerful men who had made horrible decisions. He saw soldiers still holding on to the hammers that drove the nails into his hands. He saw those who had denied ever knowing them, the ones who mocked him and the ones who stood silent in the face of the pain. He sees us there as well and he says, 
Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And in those moments, when we realize we can't fix or repair or help ourselves, when we find ourselves completely unable to do anything more than cry out, we give thanks for a God who does not abandon us or leave us alone. That's why he's my king. I live a life of repentance, not in order for him to forgive me, but that he has forgiven me already, and I'm responding to that. And There's a world of difference between those two because it is grace that we stand on, revealing the very character of God, this King Jesus, a God who loves us and does not want to smite us, a God who does not want to revenge us, but one who says, get up, you don't know what you're doing, get up. And love your neighbor as yourself and let me love you. And let me love them through you. And then there's that last person in the scene. A light bulb goes on. He's right there dying by Jesus. Jesus, he said, remember me. He doesn't even say, Jesus, save me. Just remember me. When you come into your kingdom, remember me. When the self-help books and seminars fall short and we're confronted by our need for one more powerful than ourselves, we cry out to God, just remember me, Lord. Remember us, remake us, and reclaim us, Lord. And Jesus says, today, today you will be with me in paradise, with me. At the cross, we're confronted with the great mystery of God. That's why we come. That's why we sing. That's why we prepare for Advent. Because it's just hard to fathom a king who would be coronated on a cross. Who would rather die than leave you and me alone. That's hard, hard thinking. And it's something I'll never be able to explain. But I can experience it. Because I know what unconditional love and grace feel like. And though I can't explain God's love, I can experience it and I can live it. And I can go and I can pick up my cross and know that there's a purpose in my life, that I am part of God's great kingdom. Yes, bad news bears, though we may be, we are carrying the cross of Christ. And even in the broken places in our lives, the light of Christ shines through He loves us even to the point of suffering and death. And this is the great hope of our faith as we start the new year. It's the great last thing that we need to think about as we plow on through in Advent. That Jesus reigns both in our joy, in our sorrow, in our power, in our pain, in our beauty, and in the brokenness of life. We find a king who assures us that despite of, not because of our best efforts, we are loved. Brennan Manning, anybody ever read the Ragamuffin Gospel? It's so beautiful and it's so powerful. And I try to read that about every year. He writes, Jesus learned how to walk, stumbled and fell, cried for his milk, sweated blood in the night, was lashed with a whip and showered with spit, was fixed on a cross and died whispering forgiveness to us all. You, me, If that doesn't change you, there's not a self-help book in the world that can make a difference. 
But if you know that and you're loved, you are blessed indeed. We are remembered. We are forgiven. Thanks to the crucified king, we are saved. Let us pray. Lord God, on this Christ the King Sunday, we marvel at your love poured out for us and for many. Before we were new, before we ever knew we were far off, you were working to bring us and others back to you. Reconcile this world, God, and use us to remind others that King Jesus is coming not to get even, but to love and usher in joy and peace. These things we ask in your Son's precious name. Amen. I invite us to stand as we close in our worship, and uh, let us stand and sing our closing hymn.